Welcome to Bethany Wesleyan Church, where you're never a stranger when you're in your father's house. He loves you. We welcome you today and we're happy that you've chosen to be here. You could be a lot of places, but here we are together today to worship him. And wow, do you feel like you've already been to church? I think I might have been to church already. And I thank God for all the people that have spent some time getting ready in all the areas of ministry at this church today. Well, we're in a message series through the Advent, different words we have chosen. Today, of course, is a Advent word, joy. And Christmas is bringing us the present, if you will, of joy. And we want to unwrap this joy in this somewhat stressful season of life and to figure out how it works in our life. Now, it was week 12 of the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles were playing the Buffalo Bills just a few weeks ago. 25 seconds were left on the clock. My son Anthony had invited Pam and I to watch the closing out of this game with him. He is an Eagles fan, and we are just fans. We're a fan of him. So we went to, to watch the game, 25 seconds. Jake Elliott came on to kick. And he has a bionic leg. He's a great kicker. He, he is a great kicker. It's a fourth quarter, 25 seconds, down by three. Elliott comes on for a 59-yarder. He absolutely annihilated the football and drilled it a liner that made its way like a missile right through the uprights. Man, there was some joy going on in that house. There was some dancing around. And they could hear Anthony all the way from Cherryville down in Philadelphia. He has that gift. Came from his mother's side. <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, now we're into overtime. The Bills. They march down the field with a little help from the Eagles. And they score. If they had scored a touchdown, the game would have been over, but they only scored a field goal, so the game continues, right? And so, the Eagles get the ball back. Now, the Eagles start marching the ball down the field. Little of this, little of that. Finally, they're 12 yards out. 12 yards is not a small amount, especially down at the very end. You've got to really play your best ball. You've got to really be alert. You've got to really be on your game. But the Eagles have Jalen Hurt on their side. Jalen Hurt gets the ball. He starts juking and jiving. Pretty soon he bobs and weaves and works his way down with a power run into the end zone for a touchdown. The crowd was going nuts. The room I was in was going nuts. Anthony was screaming loud. It was joy. Joy. Wow, joy in the room. Now, a couple of years ago, it was Christmas time, I went over to Taco Bell in Lee Heighton. I hate Taco Bell. I don't like Taco Bell because of what it does to me after I leave Taco Bell. It is not my best friend. And so I went over to Taco Bell. There really was no one there except the workers. It was a boring part of the afternoon. Nothing happening. And I go in, Taco Bell. I'm thinking, what is something I could eat? I've been out Christmas shopping. I've been thinking about the candlelight message. And I'm standing there in Taco Bell. And uh, I said to the little lady behind the counter, I said, I would like one crunchy taco, please. She said, okay, and what would be your name? Now I'm thinking, I could be anybody I want to be. Who do I want to be? It's close to Christmas, so I said to the lady, I'm Santa Claus. She looked at me and she smiled. She types in Santa Claus in my little taco and I pay her the money and I go sit down. There's nobody else in Taco Bell. 
Pretty soon, one of the waiters come from back, and if you've been there, you know they come from the back right area over there, and he belts out, looking at the thing, a smile across his face, Santa Claus! I said, I'm right here! (laughs) And I made my way over and picked up my little scrawny taco off that great big plate that was about this big. Looked that way, anyway. That taco looked very lonely on that plate, so I ate it real quick. And as I ate it, a few folks were wandering in. They too must be shopping, right? So they had to have a little nourishment. It's the middle of the afternoon, Taco Bell. Now, a few more families come in, a few more people are coming in, and I'm thinking, okay, that taco wasn't quite enough, and nothing's happened real bad to me yet, so I might go back for one more. So I go back up to the counter, I'm waiting in line now. Person one, person two, person three, they finally make their way through. They go sit down, a few more people come in. I walk up to the counter, the lady recognizes me. I said to her, I'd like to order a taco and are those cinnamon curly cues any good, that dessert stuff? Yeah, they're good. I said, I want one of those as well, thank you. She asked, what was my name? What would you say? I said, my name is Santa Claus. So pretty soon, the waiter, he comes out with his tray with his taco and his cinnamon rolls, whatever they were. And he hollers out loud enough you could hear it from Mars. And he says, Santa Claus. I stood up again and I said, I'm right here. And the whole room looks at me and everybody starts smiling and laughing. And we had joy and Taco Bell. But that's outside joy coming in. Joy because of circumstances. Joy because of situations. Joy because of people. Joy. But that's not the Christmas joy that we're unwrapping today. There's there's something bigger, there's something more, there's something better, something deeper that the scripture is gonna point us to today when we think about joy. It's a joy that is an inside job that is done by God on the heart of every person. And this is a joy that comes out of a person rather than comes into a person. So as we have had this joy alive in us, he then allows us to experience these beautiful moments where the joy will come out of us. You think about it, we're kind of reactive at Taco Bell, but we're proactive through the joy of God. It happens throughout the Christmas story in Luke chapter one, verse 28. You see what's happening here with Mary. She is greeted by the angel Gabriel. I don't know how big the angel is, but literally the angel is saying to her, joy to you who are highly graced. You're gonna have joy. This is what's going to happen in your life. And Mary would experience this joy. The scripture would tell us later. Elizabeth is expecting John the Baptist, a baby. Mary is now expecting Jesus. Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Soon as she comes in and greets, this baby John leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb at the greeting from Mary, the mother carrying our Lord. And then the angels, when they would meet up with the shepherds, Luke chapter two and verse 10, they would call this good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the Magi had lost their way and lost the star and gone to Herod. Herod wanted to know, hey, what's up? You're talking about somebody gonna take my place? I don't like this kind of stuff. But when the wise men left Herod, and they were wise to leave him, when they left him, they saw the star, and your Bible says in Matthew chapter two, verse 10, the wise men rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The exegetical Bible puts it this way, cheer, mega cheer. They were over the moon because they saw that. So the Christmas story is replete, it's full of many places where there is joy that is coming from within. 
Now, Jesus says he's going to do something incredible to everyone who will call on him. And Jesus says in John chapter 15 and verse 11, he says, I have told you these things as he speaks to his disciples, that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So I want to talk to you about how we can have this kind of joy, even in the midst of situations around us, that might not cause joy or even happiness. And we're going to look a little while at Mary and Joseph today. I first looked at this about 23 years ago when I was asked to go to speak at a, at a, uh, at a place for a church. And so I went there and spoke with them and talked with them. And the thoughts first started happening in my mind that this was really a chaotic Christmas to start out. Mary and Joseph were jolted by the news of this baby. They are jolted by this news, Luke chapter 1, verse 29 and verse 34 and following. It talks to us about this. The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to be having this baby. She looks at the angel and she says, wow, how in the world could this be since I am a virgin? I haven't been with a man. I'm scheduled to be married. I don't even know a man. She doesn't really understand how all of this is going to work. Now, this can be very unsettling if you come from a tradition that speaks of the Immaculate Conception to the point that Mary was always mother of God. But when you read the scripture for yourself and not have somebody else that is paid to read the scripture to you, you begin to see some things that come alive in you and you begin to understand some stuff that takes you to the next level of your understanding and you can understand the Christmas story for its fuller intent. She wonders at this saying of the angel. She reasons with this. The words mean she's agitated by this. One writer puts it this way. She is upset or she is puzzled by this. It's like a snow globe shaken up and the whirling around of all of these little flakes are flying around in Mary's mind. And she's looking at this and she's thinking, oh my stars. She wants to collect them and create a massage out of that or a, or a, a mosaic out of that. And she's wanting to create something like that. But right now she has chaos in her mind. Now Joseph, he hears about this news from the from the angel, and he says, ah, that's it, I'm out. Matthew chapter one, verse 19. He has in mind that he would divorce her quietly. The word divorce, not looking up in Webster, but considering the original language, Greek, Hebrew, or, or Aramaic, whatever the scripture would be written in at the time, depending on our passage, we look then at this scripture and say, what does the word divorce mean? It means to send her away and then the word quietly, here it means without any notice. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. I'm not going to put her down. I'm not going to disrespect her. I'm not going to dishonor her. I'm not going to tell the world about her. But I just want to let this go. He didn't sign up for this. He didn't want this. It's a challenging season. And yet, somehow through the chaos of all of the external realities of their life, they would come to understand that joy is really alive. It must be dusted off. It must be seen for what it is. It must be received in the heart. When you go to a funeral, it's amazing when you go to a funeral of a person who has died that is a Christian. They have loved the Lord for however long, maybe a little while like the thief on the cross, or like a long time, like some of you. And so you begin to understand that these people are crying, but yet they will tell you, I have joy in my heart. I have joy in my soul. How is it that that can happen? Pat Huber passed away this weekend. She was from TV 60. She's been a great blessing to most of us throughout the years of ministry that she has had. 
She had been sick recently and she passed away, an older lady now. But if you go to her funeral, like I did to her husband's funeral, you'll see tears for sure, but you'll also see smiles and laughter. The family is at ease. How could they have the joy? It's because they understand that the fact is Jesus Christ comes into our life, forgives our sin, gives us reason and purpose for living every day, and that he has promised to give us eternal life. In my Father's house, Jesus says, are many dwelling places, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that. I go there to prepare a place for you and you and you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you that where I am, there you can be also. Are you kidding me? You don't have to buy it. He's already paid for it. He has prepared it for you and he is giving it to you free of charge. And this is how we have joy whenever we come to the end of our life. Then I noticed something else. Mary and Joseph turned to God with their big questions. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 38, you begin to see what's going on here. Gabriel, however big Gabriel is, however potent Gabriel was, Gabriel is coming from the throne and the presence of God to deliver a message to this lady, a peasant girl in Nazareth. I've been to Nazareth. It wasn't much then. It's not much now. And he goes there into this area and he says, the first thing he says, do not be afraid. She wasn't expecting him. She wasn't anticipating him. It wasn't a daily occurrence to see Gabriel by her. This is something that is unusual. And so he says, do not be afraid. Verse 31 through 36 here, God is going to use you in his incredible plan that he has coming together. And you know what she says in verse 38? Luke 1, she says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. He has created me. I have been faithfully walking with him. He wants to do this. I've been a bit startled, a bit puzzled by it. But this is his plan. Then count me into whatever his plan's going to be. And you don't always understand what God wants you to do. And you and I aren't going to give birth to Jesus. But I will tell you this. We are called to experience and do things that are sometimes out of the norm for us. And when we're called to go through those kinds of things, we can come to the resolve once we have our questions given over to God and we can say, I will surrender my will to whatever your will is. Like Jesus in the garden, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And so I'm saying, God, here it is. Have your own way in my life. You have it, you go ahead and do. And Joseph has his dream and he's listening to the angel as the angel talks to him and says to him in verse 20 of Matthew 1, hey, don't be afraid. God's got this. God knows what's going on in this whole situation here. So Joseph woke up and your Bible says, your Bible says he did what the angel had told him to do. The thing which looked out of step, out of order, the thing that looked like a complete inconvenience, the thing that looked like it could never have been God's plan was actually God's plan in his life and he received it and he accepted it. I want to say to you, all of you here, all of you watching me today, turning your situations over to God is the best thing you can possibly do. You don't understand something in your marriage, you may wish you'd have married somebody else. You don't understand something in your job, you may wish you worked somewhere else. You don't understand why you have to live where you do, you may wish you'd live somewhere else. You may have a coworker that is a jerk, 
I hope none of mine say that about me, but you may have a coworker that's a jerk. I encourage you to turn your problems over to God. And when you turn your problems over to God, he begins to work in supernatural ways and he clarifies for you the things that are question marks, agitations, misunderstandings, misguided awarenesses, and he brings some kind of solution to that that allows you to embrace his reality and understand his plan and say, I'll go ahead and do what you have me to do. Carol Mayhall is a writer and speaker. She passed away in 2017. In one of her writings, she raises a question, what occupies your heart? What occupies your heart? She said, I force myself to listen to my friend cataloging her problems. After listening and shuffling a little bit for about three hours, I finally gently asked the question, if you were to draw a circle to represent your life, what would be in the center? If you, right here, draw a circle of your life, what would be in the center of your life right now in 2023 on this December Sunday? Her friend said, well, my problems. My problems are at the center of my life. Well, Carol said about a week later, her sister was diagnosed with acute leukemia. I hate cancer of all kind. I especially hate leukemia. My father died from it very quickly in just a few weeks. And her sister was in the hospital now. Her face was a bit gray. She was perspiring. Life was tough. Was dealing her unwanted, unwelcome reality. Cancer. Leukemia. And there was a, an intern nurse, a nurse in training that was there. And she was, she was going around to patients that were terminally ill. And she was asking them about the process, what would help them, how they, how they were doing, what is going on in their minds and all of that. And so she asked Carol's sister, Joy, J-O-I-E, who was laying there on the bed, how are you doing? What are you thinking? She says, well... She said, I'm, I'm a little worried about some of the pain I might experience. I'm also uncomfortable with how I might die, but I'm not uncomfortable with death because I know it's for me just a change of address. I'll leave here, I'll go to heaven. I've trusted Christ. And for the next 45 minutes or so, she shared the plan of salvation and her face began to radiate as she told the story of Jesus' love to this nurse in turn. Carol said, I walked away from that room that day thinking to myself, I have a friend who has shared with me three hours of problem. If I ask what's at the center of her life, she says her problem. My sister is on the bed dying. Both have problems, but she's dying. And if I ask her what's at the center of her life, she will tell me Jesus is at the center of her life. Hope and heaven is her future. She said, what is the difference? The difference is what is at the center of your life. And today your joy factor is very often going to be found at what is the center of your heart. What do you have right now at the center of your heart? I can't answer that question, but you can answer that question. You know what's at the center of your heart. And she was able to answer that that way. So what about you? What kind of answers do you have? 
Now, Mary and Joseph also had their joy restored. You say, prove it. Okay, let's start at least. Mary was satisfied to know that the world would have a Savior. Isn't that incredible? She get to be the mother of Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? What an honor, what a privilege that lady had. And I respect her deeply for that. If she was here, she could sit in any chair she wanted to. We'd all just take our hat off to her. She might not overwhelm us or overly impress us. I don't know. I never saw her. Someday in heaven, I hope to. But boy, what a mom she was. She stood by Jesus. When it was time for his miracle, she said, you ought to get on with it. He did. And then when he was dying on the cross, your Bible says she was standing there watching with those who watched Jesus as he was crucified and hanging on the cross. One of these days, though she was in the upper room with 120 one of these days, we're going to get to see her when we get over into heaven. She's one of those special people that will definitely be among the who's who of heaven, I think. And it'll be a privilege to be able to see her then. But the angel has said to her, you are to give this baby, in verse 31 of Luke 1, you are to give him the name Jesus. Mary treasured these things as if she were catching those snowflakes from the snow globe and put them together in her baby book of Jesus, <laughs> and she put them together, and she captured those things. To ponder means to roll it around in your mind. That's what it means. She observed these things. She treasured these things. She stored them up in her mind, and there she had the photo album, if you will, the storybooks of Jesus right there in her head. The difference was in her circumstances. She's still engaged to Joe. She is still pregnant. But she has come to the realization of this joy, and her heart is overwhelmed with the joy. I like what Billy Graham writes about this. He says, joy is not to gush. Joy is not jolliness. Joy is simply perfect acquiescence, surrender in God's will, because a soul delights itself in God himself. A while ago when we were singing, I was over here, I was thinking, singing right to Jesus, singing right to God. Wasn't singing to you, and if you'd have been there, if my mic would have been on, you'd have said, who is that? What is that? But not Jesus. And I said, Lord, wow, amazing. We get to worship you. And my mind was brought to the awareness it's only a little smidgen, just a little bitty glimpse, just a little bitty, bitty bit of what it's going to be like when we get over there in his heavenly presence. It's going to be powerful. Oh, I look forward to that. You say, but you said you were going to say that Mary had joy. Okay, let's look at that. Luke 1, verse 46 and 47. Mary's song, the Magnificent. Here it is. My soul glorifies the Lord. Woohoo! And my spirit, that's inside, rejoices, that's joy, in God, my Savior. Man, she has had a job done in her heart to where she has gone from worrying and being agitated or considering what in the world could this mean and asking questions to finally saying, I give up, I give in. She comes now to not overthinking it, but to simply being overjoyed in this moment. And that's what she's experiencing here. And Joseph, he's satisfied to know. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says it this way. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from sin. That's what Jesus means. So you're not going to name him Joe. You're going to name him Jesus. And in this blended family's reality, joy was restored. Bob and Audrey Meisner 
were involved in ministry, a lot of ministry. Their life was full of church and things related to it. So busy, they probably were neglecting the more important thing, and that is their internal reality, their soul. And somewhere along the way, they began giving care to a young man, and he was in their home. And Audrey allowed her thoughts to go where no thoughts should go, and eventually she gave in to the temptation and had a three-week fling with this guy. Oh my goodness, she was devastated to think she had given in to such a stupid thing. That isn't her best day, her best choice, who she wants to be known for or what she wants to have happen. Then she discovered in that process she was pregnant from that three-week experience. Now she sits there with Bob, her husband, and says, Bob, I have been unfaithful to you with this person. His heart is devastated. He smashed. How would you have been? And how would you have responded going forward? I don't think I would have responded like Bob, but I'm not Bob. And you're not either. But if you put yourself in his shoes for a little bit, you might be able to have some feelings and thoughts of Bob. Audrey dropped the bigger bomb on him. The first one had been seismic. This bigger bomb, and I am pregnant with his child. Oh my goodness, Bob couldn't have been laid any lower, more devastated, more flattened. He went to his confidants, he went to his pastors, he went to his counselor, he went to those people that are his accountability people, and he spilled his heart, which was devastated, leaking and hurting. And he said, something welled up within me. Something bigger than me, something more than me, and I said, I am gonna fight for this relationship. And he did. And Audrey said, I don't want a fling, I want you. If there's any way, I'll work, I'll do whatever we have, okay. And they began to work toward this. And then came their big day when the baby would be born and Bob had made a decision. He would name that boy Bob after himself. He would raise that boy as his very own in his house, pay the bills, take care of him as his own. And if you look at that picture, that lady standing there in that white sweater in the middle, the boy to the side has black hair. The girl on the end, her hair is dyed. That boy's hair is natural because his dad was a Hispanic fellow. And every time Bob would look at him, it would remind him of the past. Bob was able somehow some way to move through the pain and realize this joy that God promised that Christ said would come to his disciples. It's Christmas joy. It's deep joy. It's authentic joy. It's a joy you can have. Open your heart to the Savior. Don't ignore or resist him. Your story may turn out a little different than Carol's sister. It may turn out a little bit different than Bob. It may turn out a little different than somebody else's. I don't know. But I ask you today, what is in your heart? When you unwrap, when you unwrap, when you unwrap the gift of joy, what does it do for you? What does it do to you? How does it work 
through you. Only you can know that. Admiral David L. McDonald, top officer in the Navy of the United States, serving in that role, received a letter. The letter was from someone who had been in France. This man, his wife, their three kids, had been there for five days. Now it's Christmas Eve. It's a rainy, yucky day. Everything seems to have gone bad for them on their trip. They find their way to a little cafe. They go in, they sit down. In total, there are 18 people in this place. There are some people that are French. There are some people that are German. And then there is this U.S. Navy guy there. He's a low-ranking fellow, and he's sitting there. The place is kind of listless on this gray, rainy Christmas Eve. There seems to be no preparedness for Christmas, no readiness of merriment. Everybody sat there just hearing their forks clank a little bit and their spoons clank a little, nothing big. The people sitting beside them, they got after their kid, agitated, angry. The couple over here, they started fussing with each other. The writer of the letter, his wife, had ordered in French. She had ordered the food. It came back wrong. He barked out at her. He didn't like it. Piano player was playing, but boy, the melodies seemed to have no connection. They're just notes that didn't go anywhere. The door swung open. A little rotund lady walked in. She had been out trying to sell flowers all day. She knew the piano player. She had been to this cafe before. As she came in, she talked to him, not caring who else heard. She said, it's been a tough day out there. I haven't sold one flower. I only have enough money for some soup. Can you imagine eating soup on Christmas Eve? She went over and she sat down. The guy in the Navy was over there writing. He had been writing. He continued to write. Soon he got up. He walked over to the table where the lady was with the flowers, and he said, may I have two flowers, please? She told him what it would be. He dropped down a 20 franc, and she said, wow, I don't have change for you. He said, Merry Christmas, lady. Thanks for the flowers. He took one flower. He smashed his best he could down, stuffed it into that, into that envelope. Oh, we know where that's going. That's going to some sweet person back here. He sealed that sucker up. He got back up from the table, took that other flower, walked over to the table where the guy who is writing this is sitting with his wife and his three kids. And the sailor said, sir... May I give this to your daughter? Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, he said, and he gave the flower. When he exited that little cafe that day, the writer said it was like a bomb went off in the room, for Christmas seemed to explode. The piano player then started playing, Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen. The old lady got up with her money and waved it around and said to the piano player, We're going to have more of the soup now. I'm buying for you and me both. We're going to have a good Christmas. The other guy who had barked over here at his kid, he started tapping his silverware on the glass and merriment, and the people here get up and they join dancing around the room, having fun on this Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, over this next week, you'll have the opportunity to control the atmosphere in some rooms. You may walk into a funeral home, but you have the opportunity not to make it a party, but to be realistic to the future of heaven, which is real for anyone who will call on the Lord. You may go to a family that says it is functional. You have put the fun in dysfunction. 
and you are a nutty as a fruitcake in your family, go, go to that family reunion. Don't let anybody rob you of the joy that's deep within your heart. Allow God to continue to give you that joy and to come shine that joy out of you. You're going to go into some situation in some setting at work or at school or wherever you're going this week, and you're going to have the opportunity to walk in, and when they ask you what your name is, you tell them at the counter, my name is Santa Claus. I walked in over to Turkey Hill. It was, uh, it was a gray, yucky day. Went into that room, and I decided I am turning on the lights in this place. And for the next five minutes, the lights of Christmas were turned on in that place. They don't even have Christmas lights. I brought it with me. I stood there and shared the joy of Jesus. And the reason why I'm so happy to be a Christian, invited them to candlelight service that they too could have the joy of the Lord. Are you going to turn the lights on this Christmas, or are you going to turn the lights off this Christmas. What are you going to do, Kimmy? What are you going to do? You got to go ahead and turn it on. Let God have his way in your life and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't like it. Everything going on to me isn't that cool, but you're working in me and you're through me now. So give the joy of the Lord to anybody you come in contact with. Can you do that? I think you can do that. Does it cost anything? Cost nothing except a decision and then get her done. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Christmas joy that you brought and that you delivered. We unwrapped it. We now have you. So Lord, we pray that if any here say, I want that, but I don't have it, just be with them now as they confess their sin and trust you as their Savior, right there where they are, and just invite you in and give thanks that you came to earth as a babe, died on the cross, paid the price for the sin, that you prepare a place for them to live with purpose and a place to live in heaven eternally. Lord, we thank you for all the ways you've worked in our life and what you're doing today. So as we leave this place and go out on this gray, rainy Sunday afternoon, I pray that the joy of the Lord would well up within us until we see you for who you are and radiate you for who you want to be in the very place we go. In Jesus' name, amen. 